I'm Brian Noe in for Jake, alongside Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. want to welcome in Adam Archuleta, CBS NFL analyst on the call, on the call for a Colts game for the third straight week. You know what? This, uh, this music over there at CBS, where does that rank? I know it's, it's a terrible question to ask you, Adam. Yeah, I think by default you have to put it at number one. But if you're being completely honest with the lead-in music, where is it with CBS with the NFL theme music right there? Uh, you know what? I'm going to answer this honestly. I, I, I get jacked up when I hear it, to tell you the <laughs> truth. I, I really do, especially when uh, when it's like the off season and we start getting ready and ramping up and we go to our seminar and they have that music playing. It, it kind of gives you goosebumps. So um, I'm a big fan of it. It's It's an indelible mark, I think, on all of us. Man, I am too. We're going to have to put our, our list together here in a bit, Jimmy, but that's got to <laughs> rank highly there. Are you sick and tired of the Colts yet, Adam, if you're being completely honest with us, calling them for a third straight week here, huh? Of course not. Why would I be sick and tired of the Colts? <laughs> well, you know, that's, that would be rude uh, to say that. Um, I do feel like I know them pretty well. Um, but, uh, so right now I'm one of one. They gave me a good, uh, it was a great game against Tennessee. Uh, very fun game to call last week. They, you know, they fell a little short, so hopefully they can get back on it and we can have a good time. Do they have a table for you at Harry and Izzy's or St. Elmo's yet at this point though? I mean, there's gotta be something with the amount of Colts games you have under your belt at this point. Well, you know what? Um, I I haven't really in the last couple of years I haven't it seems like I've had a lot of Colts on the road mm. and so I haven't spent a lot of time I think you know two year two times this will be in my second time this could be I don't think I've ever been to Indy, Indy more than twice so um, and you know what I haven't done St Elmo's so mm. it's been a long time since I've done that but they got a a great little cigar lounge that uh, that we like to go to. There you go. When you compare the two quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson now hurt, Gardner Minshew in there. I mean, the the running and the legs, it's much different. But in terms of the way the offense is called by Shane Steichen, what are the differences you see between AR being in there and Minshew being in there? Well, there's a lot of similarities schematically. Um, I'll say that first. Um, the biggest difference that I noticed not only calling this game and, 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 and when I went back and I actually watched the film was obviously Anthony's ability to run the ball. Uh, we all know that. But it's really – there are opportunities to throw the ball downfield that I feel like Anthony would have taken those shots and that they actually had stuff open and they could have got gotten some big plays and explosives that for some reason, I didn't think Gardner, he didn't pull the trigger for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know obviously, I mean, this is uh, captain obvious, you know, Anthony, his arm, there's a different in arm caliber. Right. And so um, it's just a fact. And so I, I feel like that in and of itself I think if they could have at least had the threat of a quarterback, and we've seen Anthony uh, willing to rip the ball in, into some situations, it, it changes the way a secondary can play you. And so I thought that that was really, uh, really a big element that was missing from the Colts offense last week. Adam Archuleta of CBS Sports is our guest. Adam, you mentioned going back and looking at the film. When you looked at Gardner Minshew's tape, 
where were your lines of his turnovers? Was it more so him and just like things he was doing, or was it Jacksonville's defense being a, a very tough out that day? Well, it was a combination of both, but look, you know, uh, there were there were bad turnovers. Um, there's really there's no really one a, a way to say it in an easy in an easy manner. The throws. Um, they just weren't good throws, you know, and, and, it, and it's atypical, you know, usually he doesn't, he doesn't do that. That's not really his profile. Um, they were bad throws. Now uh, I said this in the game and, and, and kind of, it was the nature of the way the game unfolded, but Jacksonville as, as a defensive player, the Colts didn't really do anything to really get them to, you know, the linebackers to move around or to, to look at other things or to chase stuff or to, to chase stuff underneath so you can hit them behind. Um, they were just able to kind of just sit back in their zone and read the quarterback. And so they're really, if you look at it, there was no threat of any play action. And so the linebackers, they're just dropping in there. So if you're going to try and throw a seam or a deep in cut and you have no mechanism to move the linebacker or get them to pull up or anything, it's going to be tough, man, because those guys are talented guys back there. And so to me, that was really the one thing that really stood out. When you study, like, the really good offenses, man, their DBs are moving all over the place. They're seeing all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of eye candy. There's, there's little sucker routes. There's play action. I mean, there's all that stuff, right? And so that, that, that was missing. So it was basically they're going to drop back into their zone, and they're going to play their base defense. And so they're not going to play a lot of man coverage, and so you've got to be able to move those zones and you've got to be able to open up those holes and you've got to be able to drive it in there. And, and the Colts just, um, they weren't able to do that. And part of that, their play calling is just, you know, that, that strip sack was catastrophic because now you're down 14-3. And so I get it. What do you do, right, against that run front? It, really a tough situation that unfolded. They, they just couldn't get Jacksonville to change or get them to counter. And that was, that was really where things went off. When you look at Deshaun Watson might be on the shelf again with that shoulder injury, if you're currently his teammate, Adam, and you hear things like, well, there's a bruise or there's a micro tear in the rotator cuff, are you simply saying, hey, man, Ford's going to be back there when he's healthy? Or, or do you squint your eyes and wonder, could he be playing? How would you react if you're currently his teammate? You know, that's that's something that you never know what, what guys are going through. Um, you really don't. And I think you get a, a pretty good sense when you're somebody's teammate, if a guy's a warrior, you know, if a guy – like, you just kind of know. And so I, I don't – I'm not in that locker room. And I, I wouldn't paint Deshaun as a guy that's just kind of doesn't feel like going. Um, and so I, I it's I, – you got to take it at face value. Um, I will say that – you know, injuries are a funny thing, and, and innately, players you 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 want to play through stuff, and most most guys do. You know, I, I look back at my career, and uh, I made one like really bad mistake that I really really regret, and that was my fourth year in the league. I I started out in training camp. I had a bulge disc, and I played through it the entire season, and so I could play. In my mind, I wasn't playing that good, but it, I didn't really associate it with my injury. But the fact is, it got worse and worse and worse. And by the end of the season, it turned into two disc herniations. And now I've been dealing with it for the rest of my life, right? And so I wish that I would have shut it down and not played and, and taken some rest. 
um, in hindsight, right? And so it's a really, it's, it's a touchy thing. If you're a quarterback, if you're a quarter of a billion dollar quarterback and, you know, you make your money with your, your shoulder and your right arm, you know, who am I to tell you to, to fight through it? You know, that's, that's your livelihood and, and your effectiveness. So that's, this is me coming from a guy that absolutely has no idea um, how bad the injury is, what he's going through, how effective he is in practice. That's just my general thoughts on injuries. I think it's a, there's things you can play through. And then again, at times I wish that, you know, I, I, I would have had a much different outcome if, if, if maybe I shut it down in, in a time where uh, I kept playing. Adam Archuleta of CBS Sports is our guest. Adam, I asked you this a couple weeks ago, and I'll ask it again, but you already mentioned it with GameScript. It was tough to get a real feel for where the Colts' running game is right now. But from a snap count standpoint, it was 80 to 15% in Week 5, 50 to 42, still an edge to Zach Moss over Jonathan Taylor, but it was a little bit more in the middle with those two backs. Did you see anything that stood out to you? on Sunday in terms of where things might be trending as Jonathan Taylor continues to be eased back into this Colts offense? Yeah, again, it's really, really tough. It was a, a game that got away from them. I would say this. It, it's <laughs> We think it's easy, but for guys to just miss time and come back, it's, it's not that easy. I don't care how good Jonathan Taylor is. So there is definitely a working your way back process to this. Um, uh, in my opinion, just knowing great running backs and just being around the game, uh, I think before he really, really starts to feel it, he's got to have a 20-touch game uh, in the run game. You know what I mean? Like, you've got to get that ladder. You've got to get into a rhythm. You've got to get, like, you know, you can't just come in and just get peppered in and just sprinkled in and think that, you know, all of a sudden you're going to find your groove. I just feel that he needs to have, you know, these these backs – they've got to have some volume and they've got to get into a rhythm. And so I think until the Colts are able to get into that type of a game, I don't think that he's going to get back to himself. Um, and that's just, that's just what I feel. So I think there is an easing, an easing in process. Um, again, last week was probably very frustrating. Um, but, you know, I go, I go to the Browns. Look, they were playing the 49ers who's one of the best run defenses, one of the best defenses in the NFL with a backup quarterback, with a really tough front without Nick Chubb. And they found a way to run the ball for 140 yards. Right. (laughs) So I think, you know, like don't abandon it. And especially the way the Colts offensive line played against Tennessee, against another tough front. um, I think sometimes you still gotta, you still gotta attempt to run the football and not just say, Hey, these guys are really, really good and try to get cute and try and get tricky. You know, you still got to, I feel like the Colts, if they're going to be successful, they're going to have to be a strong running play action football team. I just, I just truly believe in that. And, and, and that's what I think they have to be. I have to know, Adam, because I always remember when you were in the NFL, they would show this video of you. You were in like a push up position and you would like spring up and you would either do a 180 or like a full 360. And it's like, how did that come about? Like, where were you when you first started doing that? Whose idea was it? I have to know that. 
Well, if you could find that video, send it to me so I could show my wife, so I could show her like what I used to be, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of a I'm kind of a shell of that now. No, like you know that my workout uh, gained a lot of attention, and uh, we had a very unique program. And I just remember um, we were just having a conversation with my trainer about just generating true power and, and what that means, and and he and he kind of mentioned you know if you really want to like be powerful this is one of the things. And, and so we kind of worked that was kind of a goal of mine since I met him. It took me about maybe four years to do. And then I finally got strong enough where I could pull it off and like do a push up and do a 360. So some of the cool stuff that I guess, uh, uh, you know, what I, I'm kind of like, you're, I kind of feel like Al Bundy right now. <laughs> <laughs> you really, you really put me in that. You really put me in that Al Bundy kind of mood right now. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'll never forget that. It was impressive. Yeah. They would show that during your games, and I'm like, how the hell does he do I'm going to try that after the show. I think I could get a good 45 degrees right now, Adam. That's about it. That's all I could promise. I like your chances. I think you should do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think you should film it. Now, now I won't even look at myself in the mirror after I get out of the shower. I just I don't even make eye contact in the mirror anymore. So that's, 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 where, I'm, that's where I'm at. If I try the experiment, I'll throw it on X. I'll, I'll tag you on X over there so you know what, what you're looking at. That'll, that'll make you feel even better about your Al Bundy glory days right there, Adam. Uh, before you go, what kind of dude is Spiro Ditas? I'm not talking about in the booth because he's phenomenal, but what's he like uh, outside of work? Oh, that's my guy, man. Um, so I worked with Spiro. I think we were together four years, and then I was with, Gret, with Gumble the last two years, and so now I'm back with Spiro. And uh, Spiro's my guy, man. He he's actually become one of my best friends. Um, good dude. He he is a um, he's a true man of leisure. He, I mean, that's that's the way I express him. He is he is a man of leisure, and you know he does. He's he's had this just really awesome career, and one of the few guys that you know, I don't think a lot of people may know this, but right out of school, he got the the Lakers radio gig. That's right. Um, I, which, absolutely. Which which, which is pretty pretty unbelievable right so um now Spiro's a good dude you know when he's done with hoops you know after the what play nba playoff hoops he spends about uh, five months in greece with his wife and so um you know he that's kind of the way he lives but uh i'm really really thrilled to be with Spiro and you know love hanging out on the road and you know going to get a cigar checking out some great cigar bars and that kind of stuff but uh really a good dude that that, that really enjoys you know Again, I think being a man of leisure is the best way to describe him. That's great, man. Well, hey, Adam, fun with you today, man. Hope you enjoy the Colts for a third straight week. And uh, really enjoyed the visit, man. Have a good evening. Yeah, thanks for making me kind of like feel bad and good at the same time. So I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem, man. That's what we're here for. Have some St. Elmo's. It'll make you feel better. All right. There you go, man. There he is, Adam Archuleta. CBS Sports NFL analyst be calling the Browns and Colts on Sunday. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook here on Query and Company. Want to welcome in Jake Trotter, Browns reporter at ESPN.com. You know, I have to know before we get into the Browns and the Colts and all that good stuff, this Journey song, a lot of people love to sing at the uh, top of their vocal cords. Would you go with this or another song if you were out and about with friends to be singing at full capacity there, Jake? Journey songs or 
this particular song versus all the songs in the world. Yeah. What particular song would you go with? Oh, boy. I'm a big Billy Joel fan, so probably something something along those lines. I saw he and Stevie Nicks in concert at Ohio Stadium uh, during the preseason, which was fun. So probably uh, that's probably where I'd go. Is there a particular Billy Joel f- song that you would go with? I could go with, I mean, his catalog is so deep, I could go with 30 different ones. <laughs> I could just go straight into concert mode right there. I love that. <laughs> That's good, man. Um, now, you reported about before the, uh, the Niners game that P.J. Walker, uh, he had reached out to Jacoby Brissett. And Brissett said, hey, man, if Amari Cooper wins off the line of scrimmage, find him. Do you think that might be a similar mindset for P.J. Walker if he is the quarterback against the Colts this Sunday? Yeah, that's the big question. I'm, I'm looking at practice right now, and Deshaun Watson is out here. So it'll be interesting to see how much he's able to do today and tomorrow and whether they give him another week or whether they you know, try to move forward with him at quarterback uh, this weekend. But, yeah, I mean – you know, you look at this Browns offense and, you know, if it is P.J. Walker, I mean, Amari Cooper's been easily their most consistent and most effective threat. And, and that's right. I mean, P.J. called Jacoby Brissett and, and I asked P.J., I said, did he give you any other, you know, big piece of, pieces of advice that you used in the game? He said, no, it was just throw the ball up to Amari. And that was like the Browns' best offensive play in that game. And they, they completed a couple of huge passes that led to 10 points, and that was one of the differences. Jake Trotter is our guest, covers the Browns for ESPN.com. Jake, what's the level of, of internal pressure, or, or the pulse, rather, of Cleveland Browns ownership when you balance where they want to be this season and the idea of having Deshaun Watson back would be great, but the idea of knowing that the bulk of that large guaranteed contract they gave him starts next year and you don't want to risk something that would cause him to be injury riddled for the rest of this contract. Is there a pressure meter there just yet with this particular injury? I mean, I think it's pretty clear that they're not going to play him unless he is close to 100%. You know, he, he was in Kevin Stefanski, the head coach here's words. He was medically cleared to play before the Baltimore game. That was in week four which was you know three weeks ago so uh you know they're going to be as cautious as possible with a long-term view but uh i think getting that san francisco win really took the pressure off because if you're two and three Mm -hmm. things maybe look a little bit differently now at three and two i think you feel good about the plan that you had in place that's a good point what's the general opinion of fans regarding Deshaun Watson not playing these last couple of games? Confusion because, you know, he he didn't say anything about the injury when we talked to him leading into that Baltimore game. And then, you know, he was limited that week in practice, but had been telling people around him, not just us, that he was going to play, he was going to play. And so we just kind of assumed, I think the team assumed that he was going to play. And then, you know, Sunday morning before the game, he tries to warm up and tells them he can't play. And I think everybody was kind of surprised by that. And, you know, they did not play well in that game. I think that was a big reason why. For you, as you went into this season, looking at the Browns and knowing what they could be defensively, and then you look at where they are 
this point in the season, ranked first in DVOA, fifth in points, first in total yards, second in sacks per attempt, only giving up 23% success rate on third down. Are they better than maybe the organization internally anticipated they would be at this point in the season, or is this about where things were from an offseason standpoint for this unit? No, I don't think there's any doubt that they're they're better than they thought they would be. They, no, they thought they would be improved, and they felt like the potential was there for this to be a really good defense. But, I mean, we're talking about an historically elite defense through five games. I mean, they're, they've given up a 1,000 yards in five games. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I mean, they have shut down basically every offense they've played with the exception of Lamar Jackson. And, you know, they've been elite at every level of the defense. I mean, the pass rush has been ferocious. Uh, they're stopping the run. And I don't know that there's a cornerback tandem in the NFL playing better than Denzel Ward and, and Martin Emerson. I mean, they have just been put the clamps on everybody. So uh, I, I don't think anybody saw that coming. How about this stat where teams that play the 49ers are 1-18 straight up the following week? Like, that's over the last 19 weeks. Do you think that's going to have any impact against the Colts? Is the Browns having played the Niners last week? Yeah, like there's no one that's really overly banged up from that game. It's not like they lost a bunch of guys, which I'm sure plays into that statistic. So I don't know if I see, uh, you know, a direct correlation in what, what could happen mm-hmm. on Sunday. I mean, the Browns have played a bunch of physical games in a row. When you talk about Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Baltimore, and then San Francisco, I don't know that San Francisco is any more physical than those teams. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, we will see. I mean, this is I – think, I think I'm more interested in this team going on the road, which they've only done once all year. It's kind of crazy. We're already in, after mid-October, and they've only had to, to go on the road once. They haven't had to take a plane trip. Uh, this will be their first one this season. And, and I think, you know, the different environment other than Cleveland Brown Stadium will be interesting to see how this team reacts. Jake Trotter is our guest, covers the Browns for ESPN.com. The noted injury of Nick Chubb obviously stole headlines a couple of weeks ago, and they've gone at times with Jerome Ford as a lead back with Kareem Hunt being kind of a change of pace. How has that running game leveled out to this point post-Chubb in terms of what they're able to do as an offense? Yeah, they they got a little bit going in the San Francisco game. It certainly hasn't been uh, very good to this point. You know, they have played some really good fronts. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh in the second half, but then Tennessee, Baltimore, San Francisco. So is is it that, or is it just they can't run the ball anywhere near effectively? Uh, it, it definitely compared to where, where they were. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to have the elite running game that they might have had with Nick Chubb, who just looked fantastic before the knee injury. But I, they do think that they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit better than they have to this point. You know, this might be a totally unfair question, but if you think about Deshaun missing a couple of games and the upcoming opponent being the Colts, you know, it's not like one of the league leaders. Do you think there's any type of sense of, hey, give it one more week and let Deshaun get even healthier? Do you think that's swirling around the brains at all over there in Cleveland? Possibly, but it's it's really hard to know, and I think these next two days are going to give us an indication of, of where that is. From Deshaun Watson's point of view, does the fact that he's back out there practicing and there on a Thursday, granted you're going to need to see the injury report, I understand that, but does the fact that he's back out there 
at all move the needle towards, hey, maybe he actually is going to give it a go? Or, or to Brian's point, is this still really a, well, we're at a nice spot. We're in the playoffs at the end of the day, but obviously every game matters. Maybe one more week. Is the fact he's out there change that at all to you, for you? I think it does. I mean, I had the indication that he was going to play this game. Then he wasn't at practice Wednesday. And then he kind of sounded ominous in his availability yesterday. And so I didn't know what to make of that. But I, I think the fact that he's out there today makes it probably at least a 50% chance, if not more, that he could be on the field Sunday. Do you have whistles and air horns in your head when you go to bed at night after being at <laughs> practice and hearing it all day? No, I'm so used to it now. Like noise. <laughs> By the way, what do you think about the AFC North where the Bengals are in last place at 3-3, three and three, the Ravens are in first place at 4-2, and two. everybody just jumbled up. What do you think about the AFC North as we stand here going into Week 7? I think it could be the division that gets three teams in the playoffs. Um, I think Cincinnati found itself. I think Baltimore is just scratching the surface of what it can be offensively and then never counting out Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. So uh, we've seen what the Browns' defense can be. I, I think any of those four teams could win the division. You know, Pittsburgh's probably at a clear different tier, but uh, I would not be stunned if we had three playoff teams from the from the North at the end of the day. Jake Trotter of ESPN is our guest. Jake, are you at all worried, you and the rest of the guys on the beat, that uh, maybe Amari Cooper might be coming for your job, getting a little cred today on the <laughs> on the on the tweets about Watson practicing? Yeah, he broke the news. He he had the scoop. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Uh, is Amari a Billy Joel fan? By the way, that would bring it full circle, right? Not to no. my knowledge. No, that's unfortunate. I was holding out hope he was right there. Jake Trotter, always good to catch up with you, man. You do an awesome job, and uh, hope you have a great rest of the day. Appreciate you guys. Take care. All right, you too. There he is, Jake Trotter, Browns reporter at ESPN.com. I'm Brian No in for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. It's Quarian Company here on The Fan. I want to welcome in Matt Taylor, radio voice of the Colts. You know, we need some uh, we need some good news over here concerning the Colts here, Matt. And you're the voice of positivity. I feel like you're an upbeat guy. We're bummed out that Anthony Richardson is done for the season. So, you know, talk some positivity into us over here. huh? What's a positive note from you, Matt Taylor, concerning the Colts? Uh, not just this week against the Browns, but for the rest of the season here. I just had some stellar fat-free chocolate frozen yogurt in the team cafeteria, <laughs> and it was it was damn good. I'm not gonna lie, boys. There's your positivity. Things are looking up. Damn good lunch, man. Fat-free, and fat it, it was free. still delicious, huh? That no, normally doesn't happen. That's right. No no spare tires on me this week. We're trying to watch that radio figure. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely know about that. No doubt. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, Is that the only thing that we have here? (laughs) Well, I mean, the good news is, in all seriousness, right, you still have got 11 games to play. I mean... I mean, it, it, the metaphor, it, it's kind of cheesy, but, you know, the, the, the analogy that I use this week, it's like it, it feels like in the last four or five days that the shoe has kind of come untied a little bit, right? The, the Jacksonville loss, uh, you let them go in first place in the division, uh, you get swept by them. And then 48 hours later, you got the Richardson news and the Grover Stewart news, but 
there's still 11 games to play. All you got to do is retie that shoe, you know, relace it, whatever you got to do. I mean, as a kid, I mean, you just go to the next loop over, the next hole down. I mean, that's all you got to do. So 11 games to play, and you can still get on a roll here. You can still win some football games with Gardner Minshew. The AFC South is not going to have a team that wins 13 games and runs away with this thing. So there's still plenty of time, and all of your goals that you had at the beginning of the season are still obtainable. It just got a little bit tougher, and that's life in the NFL. I mean, this thing's a marathon. I mean, the the, the league is is going to come and, and hit you in, in, in places that uh, you don't like. Every team's going to deal with it in terms of injuries. Colts have their fair share of those. There's no question about it. Um, but I think Gardner Minshew gives you uh, a very good chance to win these football games. He's a very competent quarterback, and you know I think that's a disservice to him, to be honest with you. I mean, that's yeah, I think he's much better than that, and he certainly um, you know can can play much better than he did last Sunday. So he's, you got to put it all together. But you know, not having your rookie quarterback in terms of development and playmaking ability for the rest of the season that's a blow. But it's not like you can just forfeit the next eleven games. You got to play them, so you might as well go out there and win them. And um, I think that's what this team is going to do. And I think it's going to be an interesting uh, two and a half months uh, down the stretch here. Voice the Colts, Matt Taylor is our guest, brought to you by Shelly Materials, the concrete and aggregate experts. Matey, for you as the voice of the team, and you're evaluating week by week, along with Rick Venturi, where the team's at and where things are progressing, when you try to come up with a word or a phrase to describe Anthony Richardson's season, is incomplete a fair word when you look at the small sample size, but a lot of positivity at times during the reps he got out there? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. You can use incomplete. You can say a drag. You can say a bummer. You can be. You can, I think it's okay to be mad too. I mean, I, I was all of those things. I was really upset just because, selfishly, I want to watch Anthony Richardson. You know, I said earlier this week. I mean, in the first quarter against the Houston Texans, like legitimately, I'm on fire. Like I am. I am so excited to see what he's going to do next, and on the edge of my seat, uh, full of anticipation because he was that good, that electric, and that fun to watch. Um, you know, in that in that small sample size, and then he gets banged up, has the concussion, has to go out. So it just seems like, you know, with Richardson and, and maybe to a larger degree for this team. So far this year, they've they've taken one step forward and then they go backwards with something, right? With either off the field news or a loss, you know, the Rams loss. You had this loss this past Sunday after beating Tennessee and kind of getting a monkey off your back as far as the Titans are are concerned. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's given the way that he played and how exciting he was. It's just going to feel like an eternity between now and September, whatever, of next year, week one. I mean, that's just going to feel like it's so, so long. And I know he's trending in the right direction, or at least can, you know, kind of a loose timeline, uh, get back on the field in the spring. And that's great. I mean, you certainly want that, you know, over the uh, the alternative. But, um, you know, spring is one thing, and regular season football is another. There's no doubt about that. And it's just – it's just going to be a feel like a long time between, you know, major experiences for Anthony Richardson, and I guess we feel that way um, because he just looks so good and he was ahead of schedule. And I'm not worried about you know missing all of this time. I'm not worried. I, I'm, I'm not worried about that stunning his growth. I'm more worried about you know the shoulder and and physically how that how that you know bounces back and how he bounces back after that if he's going to be the same guy in terms of the velocity and you know the muscles and the mechanics of that shoulder I, i'm more worried about the physical 
physical stuff than I am, you know, where he was, uh, you know, with a mental mastery of this playbook because he was, I think, further ahead than a lot of people thought he was going to be back in the spring. I think you hit on a lot of it right there, but based on what you were able to see while he he was playing for the Colts Mm -hmm. this year, moving forward, what would you be most optimistic about and what would you be most pessimistic about? With Richardson? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, optimism is is that he can just do things that he puts pressure on a defense that, no disrespect to Gardner Minshew, that he can't do, that most quarterbacks can't do. I mean, you look at a game like this Sunday with 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 Richardson out there. If he were playing, it would it would it would hold a guy like Miles Garrett to respect the ability of Anthony Richardson to pull it on a read zone or to get out of the pocket and to put a shadow of a doubt in Min, or, uh, in Miles Garrett's mind that hold him for just that half second or a fraction of a second and that that's all the difference in the world at this level and so that's what you don't have the rest of the season that's what you can get back to next year that dynamic ability in the backfield between Richardson and Jonathan Taylor I mean it's a shame those two only what had one snap together uh in that in that Rams game so it it kind of is what it is but you know things that I think he needs to continue to develop and work at you know first it's just protecting himself and and knowing how to play this game at this level it's okay to slide, you know. He he started to do that towards the end of his run here as a rookie, but it's just you know knowing when to take a hit, you know, going down, uh, how to protect your body, you know, kind of learning how to fall, so to speak. I think it sounds crazy to say that, but those are things you are going to develop in in time uh, as he gets more experience in the NFL. Accuracy needs to continue to develop as well. The good news for for Richardson again. For the most part, this year in these games, he really didn't have too many, you know, deer in the headlight uh, type of situations, right? Where he's going uh, in the wrong direction with the football, or he's trying to squeeze it into an area where he shouldn't. There just there weren't a lot of instances like that, and you know, he was kind of uh, ahead of the game as far as a rookie quarterback in terms of just the mental mastery of of this playbook and the Colts putting him in good situations. So that's what I feel confident about. But, you know, inevitably, you know, people are going to say, all right, the Colts are kind of back to where they were at the beginning of this season. And Richardson's back to, you know, where he was at the beginning of the season just because he only had four games and 173 snaps and all of that. And I get it. But, you know, if you just kind of watched him develop in real time like we get to do here at the Complex, he's just light years uh, from where he was in the spring. He's light years from where he was in training camp. Um, So the good news in all this is that he's not going to disappear, right? He's not going to just go home back to Florida and sit on the couch. He's going to continue to, you know, help game plan, uh, help Gardner Minshew, and he's himself mentally going to game plan for these games as if he was the starter so that's that's pretty invaluable but yeah it's it's definitely a drag and 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 it's not ideal for you know your quarterback to only have four games under his belt when he had so little experience coming from major college football at florida colts play-by-play voice matt taylor is our guest Matey for garner Minshew, his career has been not just as a Perennial backup is a strong word, but in his opportunities, wherever they've been, whether it's been as a starter, whether it's been as a backup, he's taken care of the football very well. The turnover bug has not been something that has been labeled throughout his career as a quarterback. So I'm willing to chalk up this past Sunday as an anomaly, but did anything stand out to you differently in terms of 
why he struggled so much against Jacksonville? Or for you, was it just, hey, that's a good Jacksonville defense and he had a ton of throws he probably wants back? Yeah, but he's probably amped up too, right? He's probably got the nerves for for that game going back and playing Jacksonville. I mean, that's a question for him. You know, I can't fully answer that, but um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think it's I think at this point in his career, given how good he was at taking care of the football and how accurate he has been up to this point outside of last Sunday, you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, his going into the game, his his touchdown to interception ratio was like three to one. I mean, it was historically good, um, and you know he's never had that many turnovers in a game, never had that many picks in a game. So you kind of chalk it up to a really bad day at the office, or at least you hope that's that's kind of the blip on the radar here. But I, I fully suspect, suspect he's going to bounce back and put in a good effort. The biggest thing for the Colts in this game on Sunday is they they got to give Minshew a chance. They got to win on the outside because. You know, Cleveland's defense is really good statistically, but a reason why it is is because they've just sort of mastered the simplicity of football, and that's rush and cover. And they've got really good guys up front and really good guys in the back end. And they're just basically saying, we're going to play press man-to-man, and our secondary is going to be good enough that it's not going to let you throw the football out in time or get enough separation from those receivers in time before that pass rush gets to you and makes you throw it before you want to. And that's basically what they've done. You know, Miles Garrett, Zadarius Smith, Okoronkwu up front, and then in the back end, uh, they've got you know, Newsom, they've got Ward, they've got Thornhill. These are all elite players uh, at their respective positions. So the Colts have to help Minshew in this game have somewhere to go with the football quickly because I suspect it's going to be hard for the Colts to, to push the ball down the field. But that being said, they're going to have to push the ball outside the numbers and they've got to get free releases off the line of scrimmage. That's imperative in this game, whether that's Michael Pittman Jr. beating his man off the line or – you know, you you scheme it up uh, in, in terms of the formation with stacks and bunches. You go in motion, and you kind of get the the formation open for you in, in that regard. So one way or another, that's how it has to be done this weekend. Um, but it's a really really stiff test from the Browns. But I suspect Minshew's going to be sharper. He's going to be more focused, and hopefully, to your point, Jimmy, uh, that four turnover game, that three interception game, is going to be a blip on the radar. And hopefully, it's not a, a sign of, of things to come here with with Minshew with the Colts. He's Matt Taylor, radio voice of the Colts, joining us here on The Fan. You think about that play, Matt, where Anthony Richardson got hurt. Totally legal play. Nothing dirty about it with Harold Landry. But I'm just wondering, you see how quarterbacks are protected inside the pocket. And you think about how many of the quarterbacks use their legs. They're much more athletic. They run. Could you see the NFL and the competition committee saying, we'd like to see these guys be healthy and upright? Could you see a body weight penalty for a quarterback that's running the football one day in the NFL? Man, that'd be really tough. I mean, just as a just as a fan, you know, as a former player, especially a guy that played defense, I, I would hate that. I mean, I, I really I don't think there's anything you can do about it. I mean, you're either gonna you know, you're either going to play the game or you're not. You know, to me, to me, it's it's be it would be really difficult to legislate that. It would be so subjective to to enforce that. I just think you're going down uh, a hole that's that's going to be really hard to 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 get out of. So, no, I I don't like that that question. Um, but here here's the thing, you know, with Anthony Richardson, and I know it's it's a catch twenty two because 
what makes him so special is obviously you know kind of put him into harm's way and you know has led to these injuries. If you do the math, you know he's he played in 173 snaps and he had 25 carries, right? So that's about six carries or a carry every six snaps, I should say. Maybe that's a little bit high going forward, but. You, you 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 continue. You have to continue to tap into his resources and what makes him special and the pressure he can put on opposing defenses. And if you just turn them turn him into a a traditional pocket passer, then you might as well just draft Tanner McKee in the fifth round out of Stanford or something, right? I mean, you just you, you have to let him be special and. You, you have to allow his ability to put pressure on opposing defenses, like we talked about, that threat that he could be for a player like Miles Garrett. So, but I think going forward, you're going to see the Colts be certainly selective, and maybe that's third down, or maybe that's red zone, but you have to have the threat of Anthony Richardson uh, to be successful, given all that he can do. And I just think it's a matter of time. This guy's going to be incredibly special, and I think he's going to take this franchise to new heights, but you know, it's, it's, it's a big-time bummer right now, because we're not going to see it for another you know 11 months tanner mckee taking strays on a thursday matt taylor is our guest the voice of the colts brought to you <laughs> by shelby I'm materials sorry, i'm sorry Just that, that name popped in my head no no i understand process. i understand and, and it's the most recent name right six round pick last year i just thought it was funny <laughs> uh, brought to you by shelby materials the concrete and aggregate experts matt we talked to adam archuleta who's going to be on the tv call on sunday and has been on the past couple of colts games as well about how the colts are easing in jonathan taylor and folks just need to remember that with any injury it takes time to get reacclimated and the Colts have done a good job kind of easing him into a workload do you expect even more on his plate in terms of snap distribution this coming Sunday yeah I do I do you know you look at it last week it was around 50 percent and you know the carries went up uh, the overall usage went up um, you know, those two guys, Moss and Taylor, combined for, I think, 13 catches out of the backfield. So I think those two guys are going to be a staple in the passing game, especially for a quarterback like Gardner Minshew that loves to incorporate backs and kind of have those guys be an extension of the running game in the passing game, if you will. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, Jonathan Taylor, it's only a matter of time, in my opinion, before he starts ripping off, uh, you know, 20-yard runs and, you know, maybe scoots into the end zone, you know, from the high red area, if you will. So, you know, I do suspect the Colts are going to try and heat him up a little bit. And the only way that's going to happen is just not force feed him, but make sure you continue to incorporate him into the game. So, you know, again, I talked last week, I think I came on the show and said, you know, Zach Moss deserves the the first right of refusal to have a big game. I still think that's the case with Jonathan Taylor now coming back for week three. But listen, I I think Taylor is going to be, you know, if you give him five, seven carries in the first quarter and a half, I think he's going to be a much different back and maybe a more efficient back this week than he was two weeks ago, to answer your question. Were you able to take any of the fat-free, delicious stuff with you on the go? Right, <laughs> you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can get that. You can get a little a little cup to go. Take Did it you do that? Did you eat it at the facility and then take a little with you for later on? Oh, I've been known to do that. Yeah, yeah. A little, <laughs> little car ride home, a little treat yeah. on the on four sixty five. You know, there you go. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Very nice, uh, Matt. Always appreciate you popping on the show, man. Good to visit with you. Hope you have a good day. Thanks, mate. Yep, you guys too. I'll uh, talk to you next week. All right, there he is, Matt Taylor, radio voice of the Colts.